not at the track? The Hot Pass Racing Network puts you at the track with ARCA and all the major NASCAR series. From Daytona to the final checkered flag, the Hot Pass Racing Network is your inside pass. All right, everyone. I'd like to welcome you back to the Rowdy Maglot Show. Kind of uh, trying to rest a little bit from a crazy, crazy weekend at Daytona 500 Speed Weeks. And what a week it was. Unfortunately, we had about 31 hours of rain. Give us a little downtime to set it out. A lot of rescheduling going on. Uh, it was minute by minute, guys. The weather situation was crazy. But we got it all in on Monday. Nobody went home if you looked in the stands. If you don't believe me, go look it up on YouTube and look at the archive. Or go on the fan zone at Daytona. They got You can find yourself in the crowd, and it was absolutely packed. The best crowd I've ever seen for a rainout day. So, uh, guys, our guest tonight, pho- uh, photograph photographer, A.J. Bristol, will be here from Rochester. He was on uh, Sunday for the race or Monday morning, and weather difficulties with everything was kind of wet, hard to do. So AJ's going to talk about uh, his experience this weekend, and we're going to also talk about the International Motor Racing Research Center that's up in Watkins Glen that he's affiliated with, guys. And we're going to start off first. waiting. uh, AJ's calling in at 7.15, and we're going to take you straight to the uh, winner, Nick Sanchez, was the winner of the truck series. Ty Majeski sat on the pole, grabbed the pole. A lot of folks went out, guys. It was green track. Well, actually, Friday was a perfect day. It got, they actually was the only series that raced on time. And ARCA was pushed out at 1030 after this because of all the rain coming, which was the best decision. So with that being said, we got, Nick in the winter circle there. Let's uh, the Driver to Diversity Driver Development Program, an alumni of that program, wins tonight's race, also collects the 100th win for Chevrolet at Daytona International Speedway. Nick, historic night for you, your first NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series win. Walk us through that, those final laps from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a pretty wild race. Obviously, what happened to us earlier um, kind of sets the tone for it. But, yeah, right there, I mean, it was just – classical Daytona, right? Overtime restarts, you know, the odds of us finishing under green weren't really well. Um, so I knew I was going to have to pretty much take the lead on the white flag and hope they wrecked. And, uh, that happened. And yeah, it was kind of odd because, you know, the, the, our restart played out the same, uh, in consecutive restarts with the seven and 71 getting connected and kind of getting too big of a lead. And literally the same thing happened. Uh, me and the 17 passed him. So, yeah, that was kind of odd. I wasn't really expecting that to happen. Honestly, I kind of thought I lost the race around that last restart. But, yeah, it worked out. Okay, we're going to open up the floor for questions. you have a question, we'll get a wireless mic to you. We'll start here with Jacob. Jacob Zillman, Race Face Digital. Uh, Nick, congratulations first off. Uh, 20... It, Matt mentioned it right off the top, 20th anniversary of the Drive for Diversity program first kicking off, and for Rev Racing, pretty historic night. For you to be an alumni of the program, but to be the one that's gone up to trucks and taken this leap with Max, what does this win mean for the organization as a whole? Yeah, 
I definitely think it's big. And obviously, Max, I've been with Max since 2017 in Legend Cars. So we've come up through the ranks together, you know, um, from grassroots all the way to here. And, you know, this is his first win in the truck series. And, yeah, it's pretty cool because I know it's just going to put more eyes on Rev Racing, more eyes on the program and uh, showing that it works. And it's proven. And now our goal is to do this on Sundays. So. Maybe something that doesn't, you know, even you don't necessarily talk a whole lot about, but I know is important to you is your family heritage. Um, you become the, I believe, the second driver of Cuban descent to win a national series race. You join Eric Almarola in that category. Uh, pretty exclusive club, but what, what's it mean to you just to carry that on and kind of let, you know, let this be your mark a little bit? Yeah, it's definitely cool, you know, to be a little different in that sense, right? Sanchez and, you know, when a lot of fans see me, um, they definitely notice that, right? I might not look it, but I'm very much uh, Cuban-American. And, yeah, to do it in Daytona, that's, you know, I wouldn't call it a home-home race, like a homestead, but we're pretty, I would say we're pretty close, right? No, you know, there's a lot of uh, Latin fan base here, so it's pretty cool to get it here of all places. And Yeah, awesome. Stephen Stump, Frenchers.com. Nick, congratulations on the win. Last year, you were so you guys were so close on many occasions. I think back to that Texas race and that final restart. You won five poles, led a ton of laps. Did all the heartbreaks you guys had last year, did that make this one even sweeter to finish it off? 100%. It, it definitely did, right? Because you look at my stats from last year, and every box is checked, I guess, but a championship and a win, right? You know, stage wins, laps led, sweeping, everything, right? You know, we did everything. We were up front every week, and it never panned out. And, you know, I take the blame for a lot of it, you know, uh, small mistakes. And I knew this year, you know, I didn't have the rookie excuse, right? You know, you can't make the same mistake twice. And I feel like I definitely lost Atlanta last year um, on my end. And, you know, I hopefully I redeem myself tonight on that. So I, I definitely, you know, ranked this one up there with, uh, with Atlanta as – races that probably should have won that we won um so a little redemption from there and yeah i mean i'm just happy to get the first one right you know the first one my opinion is always the hardest and it's even harder when you're so close and you lead laps and you do everything but win um it, it really sucks to get poles and all that stuff and not come back with trophies and then at the end of last year i know there's a lot of pressure for you guys to, to point your way into the playoffs you ended up going pretty far how much of a relief is it also to just, you know, have that locked in right now? Yeah, I mean, it, it's huge, right? We don't have to worry about it. And I was points racing all last year. And when I made the playoffs, then it just reset and it started over again. And, it, you know, you you can't really take risks um, in in a series like this with a point situation like this. You know, I, I think I finished 26th or worse the first two races last year. And I'm pretty sure I was like 30th in points going into Atlanta. So not a good position and – Today, you know, we didn't really start off much better with our stage point scenario. But I think, you know, it's just the part of maturing as a race car driver and realizing, you know, give up some stage points to, to just go for the win at the end and, you know, when it's time to execute, execute. Go next to Zach. Zach Sterniello, NASCAR.com. Nick, congratulations on this. What was this offseason like from your perspective? What did you feel like you needed to work on to, to be able to get to this point and, and, and close the deal? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, honestly, I've been working on my stage threes, right? You know, speed, stage one, stage two, all of that for me is fine. Um, you know, I, I feel like I was green in a lot of sense last year, and I wouldn't let the race come to me. You know, I'd try to be on top of it, but in that process, I'd kind of lose the race in a way. So, I, you know, just a lot of studying, a lot of looking at debriefs and just 
honestly approaching this year with a mentality of driving, right? You know, I didn't honestly I really didn't look at a lot of film for this race. You know, I wanted to kind of drive intuitive, um, not really by a book, and just kind of wanted to merely drive and have fun. And I feel like that's when I'm at my best. And back. Kenneth, one of Capital News at FIU. First of all, Nick, congratulations on the win. Great job there at the end. I want to talk about the intuition that you mentioned and not really watching a lot of film in preparation for tonight's race at Daytona. How much did you dig in terms of the experience on that intuition from, like you said, the polls that you've recruited here at Daytona, the race that you had here last year where you know, ultimately it didn't go your way at the end? How did that experience help you, especially in that final restart, to give you the sense of, okay, I got this going to the checkered flag? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, you go off a of feel, right? You know, um, there's a lot of things that pointed for me, you know, to pick the top or to do this or do that. And, you know, me and my spotter, Derek Nealon, we just felt like what we did was the right thing. And even even I questioned it at the last minute, and he reaffirmed it. And that's just us, you know, living in the moment and just kind of taking it step by step, you know, not getting ahead of ourselves and, I think that's the best way to race, and the best plan here is to have really no plan. And last year I had a plan. I rode around, and it rained. And there's no good way. And it didn't start off too hot in the race with pretty much getting collected in the wreck, but I guess that's Daytona, right? You know, you're spinning one time, winning the other. I don't know. And speak of Daytona, I remember the conversation late last season at Homestead about winning at your home race, right, as a Miami native coming to Homestead Miami Speedway. While you weren't able to get the win last season there, I mean, talk about the specialty of still winning at a track as prestigious as Daytona in a state that you were born in, a state that you were grew up and raised in as well. Yeah, it's definitely cool. You know, even though it's not in my hometown, it definitely hits home, right? You know, I've come to Daytona many times. You know, it's in Florida. Uh, scenery, everything about it is Florida and is kind of like home for me and yeah honestly I really if you would have asked me you know yesterday what winning at Daytona would have meant I probably wouldn't have said a whole lot and I'm pretty sure I've said that in an interview and honestly after winning it it's pretty surreal um you don't realize how important it is till you do win here and yeah now the, now the goal is to do this you know uh on Sundays <laughs> go to Chris and the Davey Hey, Nick. Uh, Chris Gollum with WNDB. Uh, congratulations on your first career win. Uh, you touched a little bit in the beginning that you were wanting to make sure you got out front on the final lap because you didn't feel really all that confident that it was going to end under green. You wanted to be in that position. But I saw at the time of the wreck, part of the reason why it seemed that your, your truck was clear of the wreck was because you had a couple truck lengths on the, the field when it started to occur. Um, but we've also seen at Daytona where being out front a couple car or truck links on the last lap on the back stretch has led to getting overtaken uh, on the last lap there. So when you kind of saw that distance, were you, were you worried at all that if it did stay green, uh, a run might come, or were you, you feel pretty good about that spot? I felt pretty good, and, you know, most of the restarts prior, I'd honestly kind of lifted off of two to, you know, kind of get back to his bumper. And you're pretty vulnerable when you do that. So I my truck had a lot of speed, right? So I knew – if they got to me, they, it was probably going to be off of four. And I'd much rather take my chances on losing it at the start-finish line than losing it um, on the backstretch under caution. So I just uh, – I've seen it replay in my head a million times, and I just, just try to drive. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Go next to Davey. Davey Siegel with SiriusXM. Good Shabbos. <laughs> um, I know that your family has gone through a lot to get to this point as well. What was the emotions that went through you when you saw your mom in victory lane? 
Yeah, no, they were definitely excited. And, you know, obviously we've been so close so many times that uh, they probably didn't want to get their hopes up. And I'm going to be honest, I kept telling myself I wasn't going to win it at the end because uh, in my head I wasn't, and it worked. But, yeah, no, I think they're definitely going to enjoy it. You know, it's kind of like – kind of feels like home for them. Um, and my parents and grandparents here, so I think they're going to enjoy it a good bit. You're also in the playoffs now. Yeah. How much of a weight lifted is awesome. that for you? That's amazing. I'm tired of points racing. Obviously, you have to do it. But hopefully, I don't have to – or luckily, I don't have to point race till what, September or whenever the hell that starts. <laughs> Go next to Matt and then to Bob. Matt Weaver, Sports Not. <laughs> One kind of big-picture truck series question for you. The uh, driver's meeting heading into the season and this weekend, I understand it was kind of a stern talking to it. I'm curious, what was your impression of that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was valid after Phoenix. Um, you know, it was – that was a pretty wild race, and um, obviously none of us are uh, innocent. So, yeah, no, I think it was good, and I think this is a good place to have that. You know, I know we had our wrecks, but there wasn't any silly things happening. And, yeah, I mean, the truck series could put on really good races when we're clean, but sometimes it gets out of hand, and, you know, obviously that's when NASCAR steps in. So I think it was definitely valid. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a ass chewing. <laughs> I hate to use that word, but it definitely wasn't an ass-chewing. Um, it was more like, you know, a warning. And, uh, I I mean, I was a part of the race. I don't think it was really bad. I know there were some wrecks, but I thought the racing is pretty good. So, I don't know. Hopefully, we made him proud. <laughs> Go next to Bob. Uh, Bob Parker's Fox Sports. Obviously, with the new Spire relationship, did it seem like this is a new team? Did it seem like an old team? Did it seem like a mix? And what does it mean to win kind of in that, if it is kind of a new team to win on the first time out? Yeah, it was definitely a mix, you know, because there were so many constants that stayed the same. Um, you know, I have four great guys that go to the track with me every week that, you know, they were the same ones uh, that raced with me last year. Um, you know, this is the same truck I ran at Talladega and Daytona, right? So I've been in it before. I've driven it. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a new organization in, in a way, uh, going from KBM to Spire. And, you know, we had three trucks in the shop, and now we have four trucks and three cup cars. So there's always going to be questions raised, you know, are you neglecting the truck program? Are you, uh, you focusing on cup? You, you have your hands in too many places. And hopefully we answered that today. And I think, you know, it's definitely as, as big for Rev Racing to myself as it is for Spire because, um, you know, Obviously, they're building the trucks now, and um, we obviously share a mutual sponsor in Gainbridge. So I think it's big for all parties, and, you know, I think it'll translate to good things on Sundays. Do we have any questions in the press box? Going once, going twice. Well, Nick, congratulations on the victory, and uh, good luck as you head to Atlanta Motor Speedway next Thank week. Thank you. Take care. All right, everyone. Uh, first time winner, Nick Sanchez. Congratulations to Rajah Karut. Finishing second, guys. Uh, Corey Hine, third. Brett Holmes, congratulations to Brett. All the guys, man, to, to survive all the carnage that happened during the truck race. Spencer Boyd, even down to eighth place, Tommy Hill, man. Great, great show. 
he put on and lucky enough to dodge all the uh, carnage. But our first guest for tonight, uh, photographer for uh, motorsports. Uh, we tried to do this on Monday morning, but all the moisture in the air and our plugs and all our electrical devices didn't seem to work right. But uh, he's on the line tonight. We got AJ Bristol from all the way up there in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the show, AJ. Hey, Rowdy. How's it going? AJ, it's going great, man. I'm trying to unwind from all the circles we made this past weekend. And today, with the glitch with AT&T, man, it's been a crazy day, AJ. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've been just trying to recover from the whole weekend. I've been sleeping all day. I had a couple of things I had to get attend to. The, you know, when I got home on, what was it, Tuesday? And then today i just been... <laughs> I had no time but just to, just to sleep, so. Well, I made myself sleep about an hour and a half longer this morning, so uh, I'm trying to get some of that sleep deficit also. AJ, uh, what a weekend, man. Uh, how, how would you describe your trip to Daytona for Speed Week 2024 this year? Well, well, it was definitely a... Uh, an interesting one to say the least, an unpredictable one. I mean, with with those two rain delays, you, you know, well, well, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, you can kind of call it a delay. Saturday we got we got you know qualifying for Xfinity in, but outside of that, you know, it really was you know total washout Saturday and then t- completely Sunday. So I mean, that threw a lot of a wrenches into a lot of plans. And then with with NASCAR, you know, essentially making the call to move ARCA up up to Friday night after the truck race too. Oh man, they made it for a real long night for me. I don't think I got back to my hotel until oof, two in the morning. I didn't get to bed till about three in the morning. And then, you know, it just, it's just unpredictable, you know, just waiting for calls and not knowing what's next. And Well, AJ, I think uh, the only thing that was on time was the qualifying, which Joey Logano grabbed the pole and uh, Michael McDowell was uh, in second place, and then we speed on to Thursday night. Everything went as planned, and we had Christopher Bell winning the first duel, and Tyler Reddick winning the second one. Then we fall into the uh, truck series that I've done play, Nick Sanchez, and we had Ty uh, Majeski actually got the pole for that race. But uh, AJ, what what was your plans to photograph on the truck series? Well, you know, I I just um, when when it, when it comes to Daytona, you know, um, especially you know um, out, outside of the 500, you know, you, you only have a limited time. So as a photographer, I I I, I tend to you know start maybe like you know turn four and then work my way to the, all the way up to turn. Uh, I'm sorry, turn four. They work my way up to turn two and then all the way back and then hopefully make it in time to victory lane. That's, you know, it's either hit or miss, but that's another story. But, but that, but that was kind of my goal for, um, for the truck series and Arca, or yeah, and Arca. Well, it being a two mile track, it's, we're not talking about a little short distance from, uh, turn no. one to turn four. It, you got to be hustling out during the race. Oh, oh yes, you do. There's no question about that. Well, with the quick decision that ARCA made, which was the right decision to throw ARCA back up after 
the truck race, the the mayhem down trying to get the pit boxes in for ARCA and the truck boxes out. It all worked, but it took about an hour, hour and 15 minutes to make that all happen. We had the flag, and that's when another, I mean, after the race, AJ, I have never seen the likes of cars and flashing yellow lights in the garage, towing in cars, and in the center of the garage was car after car. They've got plenty to do before they roll into Phoenix, March, the, I believe it's March the 10th. Or eight. Hmm. No, <laughs> there's no question about that. Uh, so they they have a full slate to get that back together. But in that race, uh, AJ, we had uh, Gus Dean in the Venturini number 55. Venturini brought five cars, and only one of them survived all the carnage for the night. That's uh, that's not usually the case. I, AJ, I, you know, it's hard to estimate what the total cost of cars the whole weekend. It, it would be extremely, extremely high. So that, with that being said, AJ, you had a lot of great – if you was in the right spots, there's a lot of action shots for you during this that weekend. There's no question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, un, unfortunately – well, I mean – yeah, well, yeah. Unfortunately for me, I, I was I wasn't in, in a lot of the spots where there was a lot of uh, action going on, you know. But um, from, from what I did, from, I mean, I, I did I did get a few action shots, you know, a few wrecks. But um, from what I saw from other people, I was like, wow. And that exact exactly what you were saying, Rowdy. I said, wow, that, that this is this is a very expensive weekend for a lot of people. Well, you got a then, one good. Yeah, you got one good shot that. Uh, Gil Lingzinger, uh, with us when he come down on the apron, it looked like it was Fourth of July behind his his car. <laughs> yeah, with all those sparks. Yes, you are correct about that. I, I do. I did get that shot. Yes, that was an amazing shot. I mean, it was an amazing shot. That thing, that was pretty cool there. So you did get a really good action shot there. When um you know uh either either later either later or sometime you know at some point you know email me and I'll, I'll get you that chat. So uh, AJ, let's talk a little about a little bit about that. We tried to on Monday, but the uh, National Motor Racing uh, Research yeah, Center there in uh, Watkins Glen. Yes. Yeah. Kind of, so um. Go ahead, AJ. Are you there, Rudy? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, AJ. Let's talk about the International Motor Racing Research Center. Sure, absolutely, no problem. So, uh, kind of fill us in what what exactly they do, uh, AJ, and some of the so people the, there. The, so, the International Motor Racing Research Center. We're actually we we, we just uh, last year we celebrated our twenty fifth year in, in, in you know around. Um, we're located in downtown Watkins Glen, you know, a couple miles away from the track. And um, our mission is to collect and preserve and share the global history of motorsports. And so what what we do is we are essentially um, an archive and a library, but we also house, you know, many, many artifacts. We house trophies. We house photographs, videos, um, 
many, many um, documents, you know, letters that people may have written, um, driver profiles, and we we, we actually house the uh, uh, we officially house the SCCA archives. Um, there's just a lot, a lot of things that the International Motor Racing Research Center is involved with, and um, and, and, and honestly, if, if we if we do not have it, which is as highly unlikely, then then we know someone who does have it. You know, our, our outreach is international, and um, and um, it, it's just a, it's just a great little diamond in the rough, if you will, that we're just trying to get more and more exposure to and for. Well, you know, information is everything, and, and somebody that's trying to keep up with the motorsports, there's a lot of information to, to keep up with. You're talking about how much experience and some of the people, how far back it goes. Uh, AJ in, in the, our past conversation, pretty amazing how much history is, is at the center. Oh, there's uh, yes, absolutely. And and uh, and our uh, historian of the research center, Bill Bill Green, he he always you know makes a joke. You know, it's, it's, as soon as you expand, you know, or, or or you know, or make another building, or you know, it doesn't matter how big or small. It, well, you you are as soon as you finish that building, well. Now you need now you need more space because there's always history happening, no matter how big or small the history is, and no matter what series it is. Uh, and it's year by year. I mean, it's building. You take all the motorsports, it builds. I I would say I can see where that's happening, where you plan for the future and when you get it done, you're really behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, and, and and it's one of those things you you just can't get ahead of. You know, his history is always happening, whether whether we want it to slow down or not. It's like time. So, AJ, what's kind of what's of all the tracks you shot? Kind of what's your favorite track? Have you got one out that kind of sticks out? Oh man, that's that that's a. <laughs> That's a real great a great question. You know, I, I mean, um, I'm, I'm extremely biased towards Watkins Glen. That's home. It's beautiful scenery. But um, um, if I if I had if I had to pick one outside of Watkins Glen, I would have to say uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Whether it be the, be the be the oval or the road course, I just think it's kind of a neat place. You know, especially with all the history it has has to it. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, John Malt. He works on a team in uh, Xfinity, and I had actually come out of Una, uh, out of Arca, and had met, I had met his mom and dad, and we had a brief conversation the other night. My plans is to go to Indy this year to the Brickyard, and I, his dad and I had had a conversation in the past, and I had not remembered how many years, but he started – in 1953 and has not missed a race since oh. 1953. Ooh, that's fantastic. That's but impressive. you know, AJ, I hear a lot of stories out of people that work indie that once you start, you basically, if you don't mess up, you're there year after year oh. after year. Yeah, and it's true. Yes, I agree. I mean, I, I, I got my first credentials to the Indianapolis 500 last year and, um, I mean, and, and before that, it was to uh, the Verizon 200 Brickyard. It was, you know, they had the two, the dual uh, Indy or uh, IndyCar and NASCAR doubleheader. 
So actually, that was my first crowd to the Indies on the road course. And then I got to the 500, and I was, I was like, wow, I was I was already hooked on the road course. But then when you get to the 500, man, that's a that, like you're saying, right? That's a, that's a totally different level, and you're real hooked. You're there, 100. percent Well, you know, I've been to tracks that are inaugural tracks that are like Talladega that started in in 1969. Michigan, mm. the same thing. But there's a different feeling when you go to Daytona, and I know there's got to be a different feeling. You get that feeling when you go to Indy also. Absolutely. It, it, it's funny you brought up Talladega, too, because that, that uh, Talladega was the first time. I, I finally got to Talladega last year for the first time, and uh, when I when I got there, I parked. I was I, I got to look around. I, I, I couldn't see the track. I, was like, I, I felt like I was in the middle of a field. I was like, you know, this track is really that big. And I'll tell you what, that, that that that's another very memorable track. If I had to put that on the list too, besides Indianapolis, I would say you know if anyone, if I, well, people, the people that are listening, you know, that have not gone to Talladega, go to Talladega as well. Well, Brian Crichton and his group at Talladega with Big Bill's Garage, it is total. And I'm sure you shot in Big Bill's Garage. It is a total experience for fans in that center right there because you have you have the top 22 leaders in the points 11 on one side of the garage 11 on the other and all you have the between you is a chain link about four foot tall where you can actually communicate with the pit crews the driver they have screens at each one then you're actually in winter circle at the end so people that it's just a massive building with with those big ass fans that push air down, it's the food's discounted. Talladega's a total experience all its own. It's my home track, and since we got singing on it, I had to tell the praise of it. They do a great job at Talladega, but uh, Daytona, man, I, I tell you, AJ, just to sit around down in Radio Row where we were sitting, the crowd, and then. How many people stuck stuck around for a rainout day was amazing. <laughs> that that was amazing. You know, I've I've been to a couple of rain rainout races, but no, but nothing like that. You know, I was count, you know mentally I was counting campers, and I was like, man, there was a lot of people that stuck around. I don't know if that's because we had a we had a holiday or if we had we had that many fans that had devoted. I like to, I like to think it was the devoted fans, but but that, but you are correct. There was a lot of people that stuck around. Even even for Xfinity, for that matter, too. Well, it made for a long night. It was Friday night, I didn't get in, actually get laid down till 4 a.m. and then had to be up and not be out back in there at 9 to stay caught up with everything. Because Saturday morning was a rotating schedule. You didn't know from minute to minute. Actually, it took everybody <laughs> in the media room. You'd look at each other and, and they walk somebody different walk up. Well, we got a different schedule. We got a different schedule here. <laughs> so it was, and we, you know, uh, actually, it was confusing for a while, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. I remember, I remember for a while. I mean, at one point, I think I think we had we had five different you know five different schedules scheduled within the ninety seconds. I think it was at, at one point. Just, just because there was so much confusion and and, and and no no one knew what was going on, you know. Now, well, AJ, we've been playing the the winners tonight. We just got done uh, going over Ty Majeski sitting on the pole for the Truck Series and Nick Sanchez, first time winner for Max Siegelman. Uh, 
he's one of Max Siegelman's Rev Racing uh, protégés, and, and he's really done a great job. So if you can hang on, we're going to play this little short one of Gus Dean, who won the ARCA race. And uh, actually, Gus, I know, has won two, for speed, two super speedway races. He won one at Talladega in 2018, and he brings it home for his granddad here at, at Daytona. That's cool. I believe we are on as we welcome in the winner of the... I know we call it the Daytona Arca 200. The racetrack is calling it the Hard Rock Bet 200. Gus Dean, it's been a big week for you in a couple of different ways. Tell me about how you ended up here tonight. What 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 is the cause of your celebration here? Here, let's pop that microphone on for you. Yep. How about that? Better. Yeah, we, um, you know what, I started racing when I was four years old. I'm going on 30 this year, and uh, there's been a whole lot of circles, a lot of miles, and a whole lot of people that I never could have came close without. And uh, one of those people being my granddad, uh, who came to every race that I ever ran up until the end, and uh, we just lost him about two weeks ago, but uh you know, I, it was a big celebration when we won Talladega, but my granddad's been coming to this speedway since it had wooden bleachers, and um, tonight I get to bring him home the trophy. There you go. Congratulations on that. We're going to open it up to questions. Jacob's got one right up front, and then we'll go to Seth. <clears throat> They're going to make you use the microphone, especially this time of night. Of morning, I should Jacob say. Jacob Seelman, Race Ace Digital. And I might add that you referencing that you're turning 30 means that you and I have known each other a very long time. A very long time. I, this was always the dream. From, from one of the first times I met you in Late Models, this was always the dream. Does reality even come close? No. No, it doesn't. Um, you know, like I said, the Talladega win was big. Um, it was big for sure, but... That little four-year-old kid who uh, was terrified to start his first go-kart race at Pinor in South Georgia, um, he's been dreaming of this night for a long time, a really long time. Me and my dad and my mom, my whole family, my beautiful, beautiful wife. It's, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it, to be honest. I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think there were a few people that weren't sure until the announcement came really late that you were even going to be back in an ARCA car this year. So to come out, you know, Billy putting faith back in you, to, to, to come out and do this, does it validate all the chances, all the opportunities, all the we don't know if we can do this, but we're going to try anyways? Well, uh, I always knew I could do it because I think I've been in the top three on the last lap at Daytona like six times and not finished the race. So um, it was just uh, this immovable gremlin on our back at this track. And uh, when we moved over to Venerini's, we were able to shake that gremlin off. We got a, a top four uh, and then a top two right after that. And uh, tonight we're, we're bringing home the hardware. How do you, you know, when, when you go back to the shop, how do you uh... – open that discussion with Jake because I know you know maybe not in so many words but you kind of alluded to it in the in the TV interview that maybe at the end because of the bigger purpose you had to be just that little bit selfish yeah you know um Jake is he's a great kid 
and he's a great race car driver. I'm proud to call him a teammate. He did an absolutely phenomenal job. I mean, we're talking about a kid who's never drafted, right? Like, even when we came here in the test, he was leading the draft packs. So qualifying today was the first time he'd ever been behind another car at Daytona, and to lead as many laps as he did and come down to the last lap, I mean, that that's a true testament to his talent and his skill. Um, yeah, the uh, the teammate restarts that, that we do, you know, I'm a big believer in those. They work. Um, but – as uh, Tony Stewart once said, I'd wreck my mama on the last lap of Daytona. So we actually didn't make contact with anybody on the back. I was just blocking. I hate that, that Jake got turned. Um, definitely was not my intentions when we decided, when I solely decided to charge ahead. Um, but uh, it doesn't take a lot of knowing me to know that there's not a chance I'm backing off on the last lap of Daytona International Speedway. We'll send it back to Seth. <laughs> Seth Egger, kickingtires.net. Uh, Gus, first off, congrats on the win. Second, I'm sorry for your loss. How big is this for the healing process? You know what? Um, I'm a big believer in the good Lord above. And sometimes when the Lord knows that your heart needs something, he can he can make miracles happen to to get it done, and that's exactly what happened tonight. Well, bring as, it, oh, so go ahead, Seth. I'm sorry. And as part of that healing process, racing in general can be like a family. How big or how much has the <clears throat> racing community uh, rallied around you? I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, all of my friends and family are involved in racing. You know, I mean. Uh, calling a lot of the people in the garage friends just isn't quite do it justice. They're family. Um, and I've lived an extraordinary life being able to call those people my family. And we'll bring it up to Matt Weaver. Yeah, MattWeaverSportsNot.com. <laughs> I don't know you. No, certainly <laughs> not. Um, obviously, Daytona is the highlight, but even winning at New Smyrna, too, and just – how much of a, like a, a dream speed week experience has this entire week holistically been for you? Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I told my wife and my dad uh, right before the race, I've never felt like this at a race. Um, normally there's a certain amount of nervousness or anxiousness that comes beforehand. But I wasn't nervous. I wasn't anxious. And to be honest, I wasn't even really excited. I was just a robot. I had a job that I needed to accomplish and – you know, you get in those cars, you know anything can happen out there on the track, and, uh, you know, you kind of tell yourself, hey, I'm going to do the best I can, and whatever happens, happens. We'll let the chips fall where they may to kind of protect yourself from that heartbreak when something happens. But uh, tonight I burned the boats, and I didn't – I never let that thought enter my mind. I, I was winning this race from the start for my granddad and for my family and for everybody who's ever helped me these last 26 years, and – that's that's what happened. But even like New Smyrna too, like the entire week has been like a really. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the super late models, I love running the super late models anyway. We've been coming to Speed Weeks. Actually, they kind of called me out uh, over there at New Smyrna. Said I've been coming there since 2011, which made me feel really old. But um, yeah, you know, uh, coming there since 2011 and and finally getting that super late model win at the World Series of Asphalt. You know, that was a, that was really special as well. So it's um. Yeah, this week's been a dream. I think this weekend's going to be a bigger one. 
Jerry Jordan, KickingTheTires.net. Uh, first off, have you, you got any messages, your phone, phone blowing up, uh, or, or have you, you had a chance to, to check it yet? No, because uh, the three people that I talk to on the phone are standing right over there in the corner of this room, so I have no idea where my cell phone is. I'm not, uh, not a big cell phone guy anyway if I have my people with me. And uh, second, you talked about one teammate. Your other teammate's a little upset with you as well, Tony. You know, put some stuff out and just didn't seem happy with what was going on. What happened between the two of you guys, and why would, what, how would you handle that? I have no idea. I had, I didn't know she was mad. I didn't even know we got near one another out there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, sorry if uh, something happened. Definitely didn't mean to. I, I'm not sure what happened there. I'll have to watch a replay. Okay, thanks. We'll send it back here. Justin Schuler kicking the tires. Um, it is almost 2.15 a.m. Did you ever think that you'd win a race so late into the night? Have you ever raced this late in the night? <laughs> yeah, well, that uh, that same little Pine Ore Cartway in, uh, in South Georgia, I have a feature start there at about 4.30 in the morning. So <laughs> if we can top that, then we're doing something. But... Uh, yeah, no, this feels like uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon to me. I, I doubt there's going to be much sleeping going on. And just with all the months of preparation for this race and then to have the curveball of it being moved up to tonight, um, does that does that throw you off at all, or does that just make you more eager to go after it? And then especially with the win, is that just now all behind you? Yeah, you know what? I um, As far as myself is concerned, I it, it didn't really matter when the race was going to take place. I knew what I had to do. Um, but, you know, obviously telling myself that, that this was going to be the night, this was going to be, you know, my chance to win it. Um, I wanted one of the most important people in the world to me here with me, my wife. And she, uh, flew in from Texas at four o'clock this morning, uh, and drove all the way down and she made it here actually about 30 minutes before the race. So there was a bit of panic there when they announced that it was going to be tonight because, uh, I thought she was going to have to listen to it on the radio, but, I think she may have driven down from from uh, South Carolina to Florida a little harder than I drove in that race, but she made it here about 30 minutes early. <laughs> we'll send it back to our friends at Racing America. Toby Christie, RacingAmerica.com. Uh, I was going to ask about the Tony thing as well. It was a lot before incident, so whenever you look at the replay, that's, that's where it's at. Okay. Um, at the point you make the decision to kind of not do the teammate restart, like what goes through your head there, like, do you feel like, oh, man, like, I'm going to do this, but am I going to get in trouble afterwards for, for going against what everybody kind of wanted to happen? No. Um, you know what? These five Venerini cars, in my opinion, are the five best cars on the track. They are the fastest, without a doubt. Um, that's why I feel so privileged to, to be here at Venerini's. Um, but, you know, Billy has a saying that all five of his cars are identical, and they are. And uh, two is never going to add up to be more than two. So I knew that if I was going to get around Jake, I had to make something happen. Um, and again, man, it's a, uh, you know, I love Jake to death. I think he's a great kid. And, and I hate that the night ended up for him the way that it did. Um, but I didn't wreck him. I know I didn't wreck him. Uh, he got tied up behind us there. I did block him. Uh, and I did do the best job that I could on the restart. But, uh, again, we took the green and the white together, and it's the last lap at Daytona. I'm not really sure 
what other race car drivers would have let somebody take the lead on the last lap at Daytona. We got one more over here. Steven Stump, Frencher.com. Uh, Gus, on the broadcast, it was said that this is uh, Venturini's 100th win in, Arc in the Ar ARCA series. Uh, what does it mean to, you know, be the one to accomplish that feat for the team? Yeah, you know, um, I raced with another team for a lot of years in ARCA, um, but I always had the utmost respect for Billy and Big Bill and Miss Kathy, everybody, Emily, everybody over there at, at Venturini's. Um, they're the best. They have the best cars. They they're organized and they are probably going to win every race they come to unless something happens. Um, so you know it's it's a it's a huge night for me being able to run with Venerini's, but also to be able to bring them there the 100th win at Daytona for my grandfather for my family. I mean, there's the list goes on and on of why tonight is you know. Even if there are other Daytona wins, I don't know that they'll be bigger than this one. And let's be real, the big thing is the return of Tom up here. Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, he's my good luck charm, and he's not allowed to miss any more. One, one and done. One and done, right? Gus, it has been a dream week for you. Congratulations. Uh, go celebrate with you. You get a little extra bonus celebration time because we weren't even supposed to race for another 12 hours. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. Exactly. Congratulations, and uh, we look forward to seeing you down the road. Thank you, guys. Everybody, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much for sticking with us, and uh, have a good rest of your Speed Week weekend. Guys, uh, one thing I'd like to congratulate Willie Mullins. Willie, come down, grab the pole. Uh Raced a few laps as a leader, kind of faded back a little bit. But I know Willie, he could have come back, but he got caught up in into accident, spun out, and then uh, got collected in the center of the track. Just it was just a racing mayhem nightmare for for Willie and, and everybody. But they they made it made it through. But we still got our uh, professional uh, motorsports photographer AJ Bristol on the. On the line here, AJ. Let's talk a little bit more about the uh, International Motor Racing Research Center. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like I said, um, you know, the research center's mission is to uh, collect, pre uh, preserve, and share the global history of motorsports. And um, you know, like I, like I said, we, we have all these, you know, the SCCA archives. We have, you know, photographs. We have videos. We have, you know. We have a whole bunch of memorabilia, you know, and, and like I like I touched on, you know, as soon as you build build another building, you know, you, you've already run out of space because it just keeps growing. But the cool thing too, also, about the research center is, um, you know, um, um, how do I put this? Uh, back in 1948, um, was the, the rebirth of, of road racing in Watkins Glen by by um, by the gentleman of Cameron Arkansinger, and um, and you know, he he wanted racing to be, you know, kind of like it, like it was in Europe, like he saw over in, you know, Nuremberg and, you know, all the European tracks. He wanted something like that over here in the U.S. And, you know, it was, and then it was Cameron and Gene Arkansinger, you know, how many years later they actually launched the International Motor Racing Research Center with the goal to preserve all the history then, you know, that was being created and already had happened at Watkins Glen and whatnot. 
And so, and then, you know, it really is an amazing thing how, how much, you know, people have gravitated towards the research center and, you know, how important it is for the preservation of the motorsports and the history of it, and, and especially for the educational aspect of it, you know, without, you know, people like, you know, you know people without, you know, without people like, you know, you and me, Rowdy, today, there's not going to be, a, you know, little Johnny or little Susie tomorrow, you know, learning about motorsports and getting involved, you know. Well, I'm going to tell you, AJ, uh, Daytona Tom growed up an hour from, from Watkins Glen, so that's who I was with there. We actually went and rode some of that historical track, and it's it's dotted with with the uh, mar- historical markers. Man, I don't tell you what, those guys, that, that was a treacherous treacherous journey and then to go for them to go thundering through downtown Watkins Glen. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the original, the original track is 6.6 miles. It was um, a combination of um, um, asphalt, dirt, and uh, some loose gravel and, and spots and what are oil or, you know, oiled gravel or however you want to call it. Um, but, but there was three different surfaces that made up the 6.6 miles for, for the 1948 to 52 race. So, and then, AJ, uh, if I yes, pulled sir. up, at the, if I pulled up, and drove up to the research center, what kind of walk me through what what I would be able to do there? I mean, well, you, you would. Um, so essentially, you pull up and you'd be depending which way you came in, you'd be greeted. You'd be greeted by a whole bunch of bricks with a whole bunch of names. You know, you know, very very famous names and whatnot on the whole sidewalk leading up to the research center and the the main walkway into the center. And then upon walking, you'd probably you would probably be greeted with a with a you know with a very nice smile by some, by by the receptionist, either Kip or Brenda or Josh. Or someone you know, you know of that, and um, they would, you know, if you didn't need help, you just want to walk around. That's fine. You know, we, you know we're a whole library. Um, um, we have, um, I can't remember. It's about a fifteen to twenty minute video inter- introduction of the first, you know, twenty five to fifty years of Watkins Glen. You know, of kind of the history of it. Um, we have whole runs of like you know whole runs of magazines you could you could browse through. Um, um, if, if, if our, if our historian Bill Green's on site, he, he would probably be more than happy to, you know, you know, sit down and speak with someone or, you know, I mean, and, and, and not to mention, there's a lot of artifacts to look at too. Like, you know, that we have, we have various rotation, various rotational displays, um, going on. We have, uh, model cars on display. We have, uh, trophies. We have, you know, um, just a whole bunch of, I mean, you name it, you, you, you name it, we have it, pretty much. So is there a video, is there footage of some of the early days of racing in Watkins Glen? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we have we have some of it, and, and, and like I said in that, like, you know, 15, 25-minute video. But, but there's also more, you know, we also have more actually in the archives. And, and to access something like that, you would probably just make a, you, you would make a request either online or in person. And our website is, for, for the International Motor Racing Research Center, is www.racingarchives.org. Well, uh, 
AJ, I advise anybody that's never been to Watkins Glen to the racetrack to plan three extra days after or before because there is a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to do in Watkins Glen. I mean, the research center would probably take three quarters of a day or longer to just to go through if you wanted to see some of the stuff they actually had. And and, and that's very true. I mean, I, I, and I and you and I and for from me being there for so long, I hear I hear it more times than not that that you know people come in, you know people people just come in and they're like, wow, you know we should have played more time, you know, because it's such a small place. You know, structurally, but like there is a lot in there, and people people are just amazed, and, and and people just find themselves immersed in just the collections and and just the stuff on display on display that we have, and you know the stuff you you can you can find, and just the wealth of information and knowledge, and, and the people that are willing to talk to you, and and and, and how nice everyone really is, and and, and pe- pe- people are so enthusiastic, and they just want to share that that wealth and knowledge with everyone well for me just to go back and be part of a town that didn't run off on a bypass somewhere and build strip malls downtown Watkins Glen is a big Mayberry it never left it's amazing what goes on and then all the wineries on top above Seneca Lake pretty cool place to go hang out I, I remember the, I was about oh, 2018. I would say we 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 drove we drove from the top to the bottom of Seneca Lake on the east side of Seneca Lake, and I think we counted about 46 uh, wineries, breweries, and distilleries. You know, you, you know, 46 between the three. You know, but but, but 46 on the, on the one side of Seneca Lake, and I was like, wow, that, that that's pretty impressive. And we're not talking about California. We're talking about New York. That's what got me. Yeah, I mean, this is New York. This is on the East Coast, correct. not the West Coast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, and then, the, 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 and, you know, be, being in from New York, you know, you get the, you get the, well, I guess depending on what year it is, you, it could be harsh or mild, but. You know, then they got into the, the whole ice wine thing. You know, when they got the whole grapes, so they just leave them on the vine, and they they, har- they harvest them when it, when it's cold out or there's ice on them. And I, I I don't know. I'm not a wine drinker by any means, but but I guess that's a whole different new thing that's been going on. You know, they invented well, called ice wine. Well, then you walk around Watkins Glen the track, and they'll have little. Well, they're only like one single vine, but it's it's a grapevine. They were several grapes were hanging from them that they had on display, actually growing around the field or around the track. Oh yes, yep. Outside of the media center, especially. So you know, uh, Watkins Glen was. I walked away there giving Watkins Glen an A plus for the first time to be in it. At a track, it it was just everything fell in place. The worst, the only negative thing I found about Watkins Glen is I didn't plan my extra three days. I had one day, and we tried <laughs> to take advantage of that, but I was two days too short. That was it. So, AJ, uh, let's talk about the magazine and the institute and your social media sites. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
So um, I, I, I've been a volunteer for the International Motor Racing Research Center since uh, 2015, and then after a while, you know, I started in 2017 being being their traveling photographer. But then after a while, I noticed it's like you know we we really need you know something some something to showcase the writers and and the, and the photographers that do contribute to the research center. So I, I decided to, and, and you know, and I had this idea before the pandemic, but of course, you know, COVID happened and derailed a lot of things and what have you. So, you know, eventually, you know, we get back up and running. I, I get back up and running again. So by 2022, I have this idea to get, get this magazine up and running for the research center. And I named it Racing History Today with 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 the um with the idea to like I said showcase the, the the photographers and writers for the research center and also to um you know uh capture the history being made to, of today's contemporary racing whether it be IMSA, IndyCar, NASCAR, NHRA, local dirt, asphalt, you name it whatever you know we want it you know I mean, I don't I don't have a full I don't. I don't have a full um, staff, if you will, but you know, we we make do with what we have, and you know, building blocks, and one one step at a time. Well, I'm gonna try. I met Mark at the Rolex. Uh, y'all had a display there, and I, I, I'm gonna work on trying to get Mark on the show. Uh, yeah. Yes, and and for anyone that's listening, that uh, uh, Rowdy's referring to Mike, Mark, Mark Steigerwald. He is the executive director of the International Motor Racing Research Center, and he, he is one heck of a nice guy. And um, you know, if, and if uh, anyone's willing to help help him out, you know, we are a nonprofit, and um, you know, we we can use all help we can get in, in preserving and, and sharing the, the you know the history of motorsports. Hey Joe, let's talk about the where where you're at on the social media sites where people can follow you. Sure. Um, so, for, for my own per, so so um, it, it, I mean, I, I, me personally, I, I, I'm a yes, I am. I am a automotive racing photographer and journalist, and I do, I did, and I, and I am a founder and editor in chief of Racing History Today magazine. But I do like to shoot nature as well. So I do have my own company called Bristol Images. And and you can find you know uh, a little combination of both racing and and nature on my Instagram and that's Bristol under it's at Bristol underscore images one and then for the racing history today it's, um, page that, that's on Instagram and that is at racing underscore history underscore today. Hey Jay, we've been we got a full plate, both of us together. I mean, you, you're busy twenty four. You try to make a living and try to keep all this going. It's it's a lot to do, isn't it? It it sure is. You know, um, I, I I work an average about you know forty forty to fifty two hours a week. You know, and then, and that's usually within three to four days. You know that that those forty fifty two hours just just to make uh make enough money to pay the bills and then go racing to make this work. You know, it takes a lot. So AJ, kind of what's your plans for uh, 2024? 2024 right now is is you know um, just um, you know just another another full season is as much. So right now I'm focusing on um, a, a lot um, a lot of IMSA and a lot of IndyCar, and then if I can sprinkle it in towards towards um, the end of the season and and maybe a race here or two there with NASCAR, that that'd be wonderful. 
too. But um, also, I, I try to plan on uh, growing my staff for, for the magazine. So uh, your next race, uh, AJ, what's your next race? My next race is uh, um, the the, uh, the um, IndyCar race at, uh, at, at uh, St. Pete. That's coming up pretty quick, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a quick turnaround from the 500. It's about two weeks, I would say. Or, or actually, I think it's a little less now, but... But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a quick turnaround for sure. So, uh, a lot of time in Florida. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I think, like, what, two or three weeks after that, I, I go back for uh, uh, 12 hours of Sebring. I've got to make that. Uh, my daughter-in-law growed up in Sebring, and her parents talked about old school Sebring was uh, some kind of place there. Uh, no, it, it, another it, it, good one, AJ, was the bog. We didn't even mid- talk about the bog at, at Watkins Glen. <laughs> now that's developed into the wine and cheese area now, which used to be a rough place to be it was the bog, where they burnt the bus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's I've heard things, so many AJ, I would like to go to the research center to see that footage of that bus being burnt. I'm sure we have it somewhere. I'm sure <laughs> we have it. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, now the bog is is a top dollar place to go sit under a tent and oh, uh, drink and eat. You, you you wouldn't even know it. It's funny too because they advertise this one area near near the bog. As, they advertise it as quote unquote the bog, or at least they used to, anyways, for a little bit. That that's a, that's it, a lot of history right there in Watkins Glen. Now, and for, and for the people that don't know, you know, it was you know the bog was like, essentially it was like a little like uh, like a runoff place that held water, or you know, and it was a. Almost kind of like a swampy type thing, I guess. I, I, I mean, I wasn't around, but that, that's what people tell me. But, but the, but the thing was, you drove your car through it, and then um, if you made it through, well, you're, well, you're okay. If you, if you didn't make it through, well, your car got set in fire. A lot of mud so, people around. They talked about. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the, the one year, I, I don't know what year it was. But um, the, I, I I I don't know all the official story or how it really goes, you know. But um, someone got the idea, or or someone got upset, or whatever it was, to to go steal one of the Europeans' bus and put it in the bog and set it on fire, and set it on fire. Well, I talked to a friend and kind of hung around with a friend that knows a whole lot about that bog. That day, <laughs> him and his brother was there, so. He likes to take credit. He was somewhere really close when that all happened. And <laughs> it, it, it's pretty cool. But one thing I didn't mention, AJ, was Seneca Lodge. What a place to go eat supper. And there's oh. no telling who you're going to see walk in part of the race in history and part of the race at the same time, same weekend. No question. Seneca Lodge, what, what an iconic place. I mean, you know, there's so so many famous many famous drivers and winners winners of races have gone and eaten there and and you know i'm, I'm sure meetings and whatnot and, and and just the history of itself you know 
And, so uh, and like you said, the food the food is just absolutely oh. fantastic. I, I have I have never gone there once and, and and been upset about a meal or anything. You I mean you really do get what you pay for, and the and the food is out of this world. So there's a tradition in the next room where they had all the arrows shot. What's the tradition of that of drivers doing after or during the race where they up in in that room? Hmm. I've only I've only heard about that a couple of times. Um, I'm not a good one to ask about that one. You, you, a good one to ask about that one would probably be someone like you know like Bill Green or or, uh, yeah. or Duke Argentinger at the at the research center. Well, if you go to Watkins Glen the first night, you need to go to Seneca Lake because you'll probably go before you leave for the second time. It, it's really a nice place. The history inside there, are photographs of who's all been there is is uh, amazing all of its own. But, AJ, one of the things that I got to do in 2023 that I never dreamed I would ever do, I met and shook hands with, uh, with, oh, dang, I'm not. Let me, let me get, let me back up. But, AJ, <laughs> it's just been a hard weekend for me, guys. No. I, I, I just no, had a, a brain meltdown here. Uh AJ, I don't blame you. It really has been a hard weekend. Is there anything else that we didn't touch that we need to talk about? Mm. I don't think I, I don't I don't I don't think so. Um, oh oh, um, we're, we're, uh, so where, where you can find racing history today, the magazine is um, if you go into Google and you type in racing history today, and, and you and you type in and, and hit enter. It'll be the first thing that pops up, and then when you when you open that, you'll see like little you know little um, little essentially little icons or something like that. But 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 those are but those are actually covers you know magazine covers. You click on you click on one of those, and boom, it'll open to a full blown magazine. And it's all for free. Mario Andretti. I wanted to make sure I said that right, uh, AJ. There while it's on my mind, I got to meet and shake hands with Mario Andretti, and, and that was absolutely an incredible experience. He was there with Rev Racing and Max uh, Siegelman, and uh, just to be able to uh, meet him was was actually one of the top three things I did last year in 2023. I mean, yeah, I've. I've I've met Mario I think uh, two or three times now and 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 every, and every time just just an outstanding you know gentleman to say the least I mean he is just one of the nicest people you could meet. He's like meeting Richard Petty. You know you got two greats in each sport, and you know Richard Petty's the same way. He's going to shake your hand. He's going to sign your autograph. And you're going to be able to read it and know it was Richard Petty. And he don't leave till everyone gets what autographs they want. That's right. That's right. No question about that. Well, AJ, we got uh, we're fixing to go into our uh, I'm not playing them as we we race them, but our Xfinity race uh, sitting on the pole was Jesse Love and uh, AJ. I feel I feel like you're going to be taking a lot of photos of uh, Jesse Love someday in victory lane because this young man is setting the world on fire. Well, it's it's funny you say the name Jesse Love because because that name resonates the bell because I, I I do I, I do collect trading cards and I'm a trading card enthusiast and and one one of the things I do like is NASCAR trading cards and I remember getting a bunch of his rookie cards so that is a name that I, I do remember quite a bit. Well, 
Well, hang on to it, man, because he's he's going to set some records, and I I, I think he's going to be a, a champion someday that could compete for that seven wins. I, I mean, that's I'm serious. This young man's got a good shoe on him, and he's he's really done good. That that's that, that's cool. Good to know. Well, to start the Xfinity series and sit on the pole, and then he got collected. You know that Xfinity race. I think what I understand, there was only four cars that didn't look like they'd been involved in a wreck. Out of 36 cars, four cars was straight. I walked through there, the garage after it's over. Even the winner, uh, Austin Hill, had damaged duct tape on the front, on his front bumper. But, AJ, I don't know if not many people know it, but that he said a history by the third straight Xfinity win down in Daytona. I, 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 I did not know that. that. That's great to know. So we've got... got oh, go ahead. Go on. No, nah, go ahead. Uh, uh. Oh, I was about to say, and, 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 and about to say, because, you know, you know you're saying that that's history, and that's exactly, you know, what I'm trying to convey with the magazine of racing history today, you know. That, that's racing history that happened today, you know? That, Absolutely. That's pretty I mean, big. Three straight uh, Xfinity races at Daytona, that's that's saying a lot. Absolutely. With, with car damage on top of that. He he fell back and was able to work his way back to the top. I, I'm going to bring Thank him you. on, and we're gonna, we got a little 17-minute clip with him. Uh AJ, hey, listen, I appreciate you being part of the show tonight. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Anytime, Rowdy. You know that. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about in between here what, what we're going to plan next for on that, uh, AJ. So hang on there. Sure. Okay. We are now joined by the winner of the season opening NASCAR Xfinity Series race, uh, driver number 21, uh, and that is Austin Hill. Uh, we'll get right to questions. Uh, we'll start over here uh, in the front with uh, Jacob, then we'll go to Bob and Seth. Hello. Oh, just got to hold your tongue right. <laughs> I had a funny feeling about that. First off, congratulations, Austin. Um, Jokingly, I heard a few people say this week in the garage area, death taxes and you winning in February at Daytona. What is it about this place to start the year that you guys have figured out? Because the the, the summer race here has not treated you well. Yeah, I don't – man, I really don't know what it is. I mean, I – you know, I I feel like really all the super speedways that we go to, we do basically the same things that we always do. We bring – you know, really fast Bennett Chevrolets to the racetrack. We have some really fast um, ECR engines. And I always think that, for the most part, that we make, you know, the right moves a lot of the time. Uh, there's plenty of times throughout the race that I don't make the right move, but I kind of put that in my memory bank, and I learn learn going into later in the race. And, uh, you know, the other races, a little bit of luck is involved with these super speedways. You know, you got to be in the right place, right time. There was plenty of times that I could have gotten taken out, and I just luckily kind of squeaked by there. I did get in a wreck early in the race, but it, fortunately it wasn't wasn't too much damage. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just 
this first race of the season has treated me well. You know, everyone in the off season is bringing their best stuff to to the first race at Daytona. So to win here, the first race out um, says a lot. And to do a three-peat like we did, uh, I don't think a lot of people understand how hard that is to do here at Daytona. It's hard to win one race at Daytona, much less three in a row like we did for the season opener. So um, I'm cherishing every moment of it. Um, but then come, you know, tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to be getting ready for Atlanta and go see if we can go back-to-back uh, to, back to start the season. I know it's special with that one on your knee, too. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we, uh, you know, it, it it's always special to come down to Daytona, first race of the season, I always have my family here. Some of my family members had to go back. Um, you know, they couldn't stay for Monday, but I did have uh, my two daughters, um, my little one Barrett here, and then, you know, my wife, my mom, dad, grandparents. So we do still have a lot of them still left over that stayed. So um, it's always fun, you know, when they can be here to celebrate. Uh, it makes the party a little bit more special. You referenced the damage real quick. Take us through how the car felt after the right front damage and then what i'm curious most about is what you felt that you knew to come to pit road with that left rear going flat because that ultimately is what saved you yeah you know so when the wreck happened i knew that i had gotten pretty substantial right front damage um you know even my steering wheel was a little off i i kind of when i put the steering wheel on to start the race i was like at 11 o'clock with it with my with my tape and it got knocked to, to 12 o'clock, so I knew it was a little off there. And then um, whenever I saw that they were dropping the jack and they were trying to bend the splitter up, I'm like, oh, that's not good. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here when I drive off into turn one when it's loaded and we're in the draft. And when I drove off into turn one and I realized that I wasn't hitting the splitter really hard, I'm like, oh, maybe it's not too bad. And um, I went to work from there. Uh, didn't even think about it really after, you know, the first five laps. Uh, after the wreck and after the damage repair that we made and and then with the left rear you know I'm like under caution and I'm kind of like working my tires back and forth a little bit just trying to keep a little bit of heat in them and I kept feeling like the the rear of the car was kind of sloshing well I didn't know if it was like the tire or if it was like something in the rear end that's came loose something in the in the rear end that had came loose because uh we were hitting the racetrack really, really hard all night. I mean, my spotter, Derek, he had been um, kind of giving me a play-by-play, like, hey, it's hitting really, really hard that lap. So I didn't know if, like, something grinded off, truck arm was bent, something was into the tire. I, I didn't know what was going on, but I knew something didn't feel right. And they kind of left it up to me, you know, do you, if you want to pit. And I w- did not want to pit at all. And uh, Andy kind of ultimately was like, hey, we, we don't need to have any issues. we still got a little bit of time here. Anything can happen. And uh, so we came down pit road. Sure enough, left rear tire was flat. And, you know, when we start the the restart with like 12 or 13 to go, I didn't think that – I'm not going to say I didn't think that we had the time to get back up there. What, buddy? <laughs> I, I didn't think that we had, had the time to really, you know, get back up. I'm not going to say I didn't think that we had the time to get back up there, but I knew that it was going to be an uphill battle. And uh, I think we were coming off a of turn four and – my spotter, Derek's like, hey, we got to just make some stuff happen. We got to make some moves go. And sure enough, like the middle lane just like opened up for me where, you know, everyone's fighting for the bottom, everyone's fighting for the top, and the middle lane kind of opened up. And when it did, I mean, I just kind of shot out of a rocket, it felt like. Drove all the way to <laughs> all the way to the 32 car, pushed him up towards the lead or to the lead eventually, and then the caution came out from behind us. And um, 
I haven't seen the replay yet. I just know that it felt like he was very close to hitting me in the right rear. So uh, that was one of those like lucky kind of situations where I was just in the right place, right time, missed the wreck, and was able to go on and, and get the win when it mattered. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's bouncing off the chip, so uh, he's ready to party. <laughs> Good to Bob. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. You can have damage. You get you have a safety violation. You keep having to come from the back, and it doesn't seem like you need a push from anybody. How come? <laughs> like, well, like, I, I mean, you, it seems like your car can do things that the others can't. Yeah, you know, I our car is obviously really fast. I mean, it, it shows in qualifying. But, I mean, when you look at it, you know, we're only winning the pole by half a tenth, maybe a tenth. It's not like... We're winning the pole by half a second where we have substantial amount of speed on the whole entire field. Um, but, I mean, I just think it's the minor details. I think it's just those little details that, that end up mattering that RCR, ECR, and everybody back at the shop um, do a really good job of is, is they just have those little minor little details that, you know, a lot of teams might be like, oh, that doesn't matter. That's a 32nd of an inch or that's an eighth of an inch. Well, at RCR, it matters, and, um, you know, when you bring a car to the racetrack, um, you know, they, they just want it a certain way. When they come to these super speedways, they, they want it to unload a certain way. They want it to, to drive a certain way. Um, there was, Like you said, there was a lot of adversity tonight. Uh, I didn't do my job on pit road. I almost slipped through the box through the, during the first stop. Second stop, I left it in third gear coming to pit road. have no idea why. I, I guess I was mentally, like, thinking of, like, what I was going to do for the restart and sped on pit road, then slid through my box, about ran my guys over, and I kind of had to mentally reset right there. When I pulled off pit road and they told me that I had the penalty and we came back down took four tires, uh, I just kind of mentally reset there. I'm like, look, this is a new race. I'm going to get this all behind me, and we're going to go to work. And, you know, we had that adversity with the left rear tire, but um, it didn't slow us down. Um, I think some of it, too, is, you know, guys know that, the 21 car is making the right moves at the right time a lot of the time, so they want to kind of work with you, whereas, you know, they might be skeptical on working with somebody else. And, you know, I had really good luck with actually guys working with me tonight. I don't know if it was just a product of them seeing me making certain moves and they wanted to, to go where I was going, but uh, I know that, like, you know, some of the JRM cars, especially the 8 car, he seemed to be tied to my rear bumper a lot of the night, so... Uh, I want to thank him for that, for, for sticking with me as long as he did. Uh, the five car did did as well. And then, uh, you know, when I lost my wingman, Jesse, um, early in the race, it was a little bit of a bummer because I knew he had a car that was capable of winning. And, you know, it, when it came down to the end of the race, you had, you know, a couple Chevys, but then you had the Toyos, the Fords, all that. Um, so I knew it was going to kind of get spread out and spaced out, and a lot of people were going to be jockeying for a position so my number one goal is to get to the lead and then just try to control it from there. And, and luckily enough, it all worked out. Seth? Seth Egger, KickingTires.net. Uh, Austin, it's often said that drivers will trade anything to win here at Daytona. Given your experience and your perspective, why is that? It's just... I know this is crazy me saying this because I've done it three times in a row now uh, to start the season, but it, it is extremely hard to win here. It's not easy. There's so many different variables that happen. Um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of wrecks that happen throughout the race that might not be your doing. Um, I was in one today. Luckily, I just had some minor damage, obviously. 
Um, so there's so much stuff that's out of your control. And even if you put together the perfect race, you do everything right, you do all, all your pit stops on pit road, you get back out in, in the lead, um, it still all has to come together. And you have to really trust the guy out back that's pushing you and, and the guys around you that are racing side by side with you to, to keep it together. So, um, you know, Daytona is just, it's the, it's the start of the season. It's kind of, you know, in the Xfinity series, it's kind of like our Daytona 500 in, in a sense, just because it is the start of the season. We're getting going. Um, you're racing the same weekend as Daytona 500, so the the extra hype's there. Uh, a lot a lot more viewers normally is there, so um, everyone wants to win at Daytona and everyone wants, wants to win to start off the season because then it starts, you know, your playoffs, everything like that. You're already locked in uh, for for the playoffs later in the season. You can kind of go ahead and go to work on that to get ready for the in, end of the year. What is Zach? Uh, Zach Albert, NASCAR.com. Um, what's this day been like for you? Because you were supposed to go at 11 a.m., then you fire off at 9 p.m., run the Daytona 500 in between those, and what have, what have you done all day? <laughs> um, I actually went and bought a TV and put it in my motorhome. My, my TV that I was actually using to uh, watch the Daytona 500 it kept flickering on me, and I'm like, man, we can't have this. Like, i got to be able to see what's going on at the Daytona 500. So... We ran over to Best Buy right across the street, put the put the TV together. We had to do a little uh, work on the um, the plate that we were that we had to put on. We had to drill some new holes and get it all leveled. So that was kind of my day. And then I watched the the Daytona 500. Other than that, um, you really really not a whole lot. Just um, you know, just going through my nor- normal motion. Um, I kind of have the same regimen of kind of eating the same food on race day, that type of thing. Try to keep all that pretty pretty much the same um, but also try to stay moving a little bit like I, I didn't want to just sit around and, and kind of get stiff and stale and just um, you know when you're sitting around in the motorhome all day it's just I don't know it's a little depressing like you want to you want to go out and do something so um, I just tried to kind of stay kind of moving all day doing something that way when when it was time to go I wasn't just thinking about it all day long you know I didn't want to sit there and be like man you know, I'm thinking about this race from 10 in the morning all the way until 9 o'clock at night. I kind of want to get off my mind, so we found some fun things to do. Dustin? Dustin Lobino, Jayski, kind of off of that, like, what did you do the last two days, Saturday and Sunday? Oh, well, yeah, so um, what did we do? I don't even know. Like, my days are running together. Um so I know, you know, we went we went out to eat a few nights, a um, few days, um, went and did, uh, what what else did we do, Lindley? What, what did we do all day? Oh, we went to Bass Pro, bought some stuff there. So, um, yeah, we had a good time. You know, we, we stayed busy. We didn't want, want to just sit in the motorhome, like I said. Uh, it's kind of easy to kind of just get lazy sitting in there, and, and you, you want to stay mobile and keep moving and doing stuff, so... Uh, we found some things to do that kind of got us through the weekend, but um, I'm glad that it's over. I can tell you that <laughs> it's been a it's been a long uh, Daytona weekend. And then going down pit road, what exactly happened on that violation? Oh yeah, so um, Thank you. I I just like mentally I don't know why I was so I, I was really thinking about what was going to happen when I come down pit road. I knew I was going to lose some spots and that type of thing. Um, because of what we were going to do during our pit stop and all. And 
I left it in third gear and we were running second gear and I'm like trying to find my lights and I'm like, you know, I'm looking for my, so we run two red lights on our dash and I'm like looking for my two red and I look down and I'm like, man, I feel like I'm going really fast right now. And then I look in the mirror and I've like left everybody and I, and then I, and then I'm coming up really fast on my box. So I'm trying to get it slowed down. Then next thing you know, I slide through my box, which I was having an issue with sliding kind of into my box all day. It was real slick and about ran the the guys over and everything else so totally 100 percent on me and right after that stop when we came back in we put four tires on it uh that was like a full reset for me i mean i, I literally like kind of like reset my brain it was like a new race for me and then we went went back to work after that yeah there any questions in the press box okay we'll stay down here at lee Lee Spencer, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio, and CatchFence.com. Um, I don't have to tell you how much loyalty means to RC, and the fact that you had an opportunity potentially to go cup racing last year, but you decide to stick with him. Said he wants to put you in cup car, and he expects to, you know, have you in a cup car relatively soon, full time. What is it? You know, what does it mean because, you know, we hear time and again that names are made here in the Xfinity Series, but, you know, you come here and you really establish yourself as somebody over and above the field. And, you know, when you do get an opportunity like this down the road, what is that going to mean to you? Yeah, it's going to mean a lot. You know, I, I'm i very loyal to all the race teams that I've ever been with in the past. Um, it's always been a, a very strong topic and and uh and uh it's not something that's easy to make a decision on if i was to you know jump to a different race team different manufacturer that type of thing so there's a lot that's involved with my decision making and just over the the last you know two years going on three years now just everything that richard Childress stands for and and the man that he is today um and the the way he has been through his entire career his entire life um you know his values all all those things they they really line up with with my values and and so i just think it works it clicks uh you know him and i get a, get along really well even outside of racing uh, we go you know elk hunting together that type of that type of thing so having that bond uh means more to me than just driving a race car um so you know, if the opportunity presents itself to go cup racing one day, sure, I, I definitely want to do that. But I want to make sure I'm doing it with the right people. So, you know, racing with with RCR has been has been great to me. They they've all everyone's been, um, you know, a family oriented group. Um, I'm very family oriented, and so, you know, if if we if the time ever came to where I could move up to cup and I could could run for for RCR. Um, I definitely would do it, uh, but I just want to make sure if I do make that jump, you know, I don't want to rush into it for one, and then two, I want to make sure it's the the right change that I'm making, and that if I do go somewhere other than RCR, it's going to be the right fit for me. Yep, thanks. Any final questions for Austin? All right. Well, Austin, congratulations. Good luck in Atlanta. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Austin has made RSC back up on top and uh i think kyle bush look for great kyle bush is gonna be in winter circle more than one time this year guys uh kyle he didn't like the way the outcome come was turned out but i, I think on uh atlanta i wouldn't mark him out a victory lane yet because 
RCR brings some nice cars to the track. So, AJ, one of the things that I picked up a while ago on what we were talking about, let's talk about them trading cars, man. I, I used to collect them, but it kind of like dulled down for a while. And uh, you, you, trading cards is alive and doing well, AJ. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, trading cards. I mean, you know, um, ever since I was a little kid, you know, in the in the, in the early '90s, I always remember my, uh, you know, my mom's, uh, you know, former boyfriends at that time, you know, collecting basketball cards, looking for all all the Shaquille O'Neal rookies and whatnot. And that's what got me started on the kick. But you know, fast forward to today, it's amazing what they got. They got trading cards for anything. You you name it, they got it. You know, Pokemon. You know, wrestling, racing, football, basketball, hockey. You know, memorabilia cards with a piece of a game-worn jersey or a racing suit or whatever, you know, autograph card. You you name it, they got it. But, um, you know, um, b- before the pandemic, you know, um, trading cards, you know, they, you know, they had a pretty solid following. But, you know, then the pandemic came along and everyone's home bored. Well, what can we do? Well, we can buy trading cards. So, I mean, the, the price of these things just skyrockets with the roof, and then, then the trading card companies couldn't keep up, so they had to make new product. And that, and then, um, you know, it just it, it's it's been a gift and a curse, so to speak. You know, we've we've had new product, but now the flood, the the market's so flooded. But the cool thing that happened with that is during the pandemic. Um, uh, uh, the company Fanatics acquired Top Trading Card Company, and then um, which which had the rights to the Formula One, and then they 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 started producing Formula One trading cards. So now we have NASCAR and Formula One trading cards, and now just just you know very you know about I don't know a week and a half ago, the uh, Parkside uh, Cards uh, announced that they're going to produce now IndyCar trading cards, which I I, th- I thought was a really, really, really great move. It was about time that someone finally stepped up and said, "Hey, this, 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 you know, let's let's get this done." I would say that's way behind, AJ. I mean, I would like <laughs> that, that. I mean, good lord, they've I, been I going. Agree. They've been going at it for years, and the fact they didn't have trading cards. I I know, I know, I agree. I, I I I agree. You know, NASCAR always had trading cards, and you know, and then Formula One, you know, on and off, you know, did. I, I guess IndyCar, you know, tried once in 2007 for a year, and for for whatever reason, it didn't work. But you know, I, I think I think that's a staple, you know, of, of for, for you know a, a sporting brand is to have a you know a trading card as part of your brand. You know, yes. me, that, that's just me personally talking. Well. Uh, my only trading card last year was Nick Sanchez and Mario Andretti on the same card, and I think someday those cards are going to be worth something when he's a NASCAR champion because Nick's got a really bright future. I tell you, folks go, I don't know if I'm going to stick around because I don't see a whole lot. I see a lot of talent coming up, uh, AJ. I mean, I see a lot of talent, a lot of good drivers, and uh I know how the sport's driven, but there's there's a lot of good talent to come. You was able to uh, shoot William Byron at Watkins Glen. That was pretty special, wasn't it? It was. It, re- it really was last year. Um, and, and, and what was neat about that whole race too, not not, not to mention it was, you know, uh, um, I, I can't remember how, how many races he won last year. 
was quite a bit. He won uh, six. If I, yeah, and then that was what number five or six was it at that, at that time? That, I think that was number five. Fin, uh, win number five for him. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 was needed in of itself. But but the time for the magazine that I was covering for, I I decided that weekend because because and, and you can read the article in the magazine. But I, but I was looking at the weather and, I was, and so I made the executive decision that I was going to shoot the entire you know NASCAR weekend in thirty five millimeter film. And so and so every 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 NASCAR picture you see from Watkins Glen that I shot last year is in thirty five millimeter film. And I thought that was a really cool experience, and and not and not and not so so we got we got a little history of you know a first time road race winner, you know being shot in thirty five millimeter film, given that old school effect. I thought that it was kind of a, a neat play on each other. So, uh, kind of walk us through the difference between the digital and the thirty five millimeter. AJ, <laughs> oh, huge difference. If, if, if you can summarize that up. Oh man, um, I, I I don't know if I can sum, I don't know if I can summarize it up, but I'll tell you it, it's it, it's like apples and oranges. I mean, it, you you can't you 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 cannot take photographs the same way with film as you do digitally. And what, what I mean by that is because with with digital, you 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 can you can easily take a hundred hundred photographs within a minute. But in, in film, if you do that, well, you you just blown you know how many rolls that you know twenty bucks a roll these days. You know if you're shooting real good film. Well, AJ, real quick. let me kick off William Byron so we'll have time to run him through and say our goodbyes for tonight. Okay. Sure. Continue with our Daytona 500. Officially, our day 25 winner here with William Byron, driver of the number 24 Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. Obviously, William, um, a great win to win the day 2500. But take us through those last few laps from your perspective, um, and then just just maybe give us an overview of really just what it means to you to now have yeah. this race um, on your resume. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's kind of a blur to think about the last few laps, but I just remember. The, the lineup changed right after the red flag. Uh, they said we were second. And, you know, in my head, the whole time I had just preparing for what I was going to choose on the, the second row. And I felt like everything I'd studied all week was, you know, leading me to choose fourth. And um, so I think that was my plan. And then when they said we were second, kind of regrouped and just thought about, okay, how can I get a good good launch here? How can I, you know, get connected with the two? And, um, you know, was the two Austin gave me a great push, you know, for a lap and a half, really, we were locked on. And, um, you know, I felt like that was really good. I felt like it was going to be dead even for a couple laps. And then the outside lane got separated for whatever reason. And, um, they, you know, we got out single file and it was me, the two, the seven, I think. And they had a little bit of a run down the back stretch where he could have poked out, kind of covered that. And then, I knew off of four the energy was going to form again because this package is so draggy as the leader. So you always have, you know, you're always on protection mode and trying to figure out, okay, where's the run going to come from? So as soon as I saw the outside lane starting to, you know, tighten up and gain some momentum, I felt like that was going to be where I needed to go. And the one had a huge run through the little short shoot there coming to the tribal. So I blocked that and, uh, and he cut left and I felt like, man, that was stupid. I shouldn't have blocked that. You know, he just took, just 
you know, took the lead and, and I guess he wasn't clear. So, um, I was able to, you know, I guess just get past the line. And I didn't really know at that point whether we were the leader or not, but it's just pretty incredible sequence of events. I mean, you, you just don't know how these races are going to end and you have to try to put yourself in a good spot. And I felt like our team did a great job all day, just putting ourselves in position and, um, it's pretty incredible. All right, we will go to up front here, and we'll start with Lee, and then go to Dustin. Lee Spencer, Sears NASCAR Radio and CatchFence.com. Kind of curious, um, you came over the radio, and you were like in disbelief. You couldn't, I mean, you kept asking, did we win it, did we win it? Yeah. What At what point did it really start to sink in? Well, no one told me, <laughs> so it was like Rudy was crying on the radio, so I was like, dude, like, I hope he's crying for a good reason, but, uh, I mean, I guess he was, he was, he was a, a ball of, uh, emotion there. And, uh, so I was still like, did we actually win or not? And, uh, and I think Brandon came on the radio and said, you know, that we had, we were first or whatever. So, um, it still hasn't sunk in yet. So I feel like it's, it's just kind of a blur. And I feel like there's just so many things that have to go your way to, to win a race like this. And, um, it's special. I mean, this is the, this is the biggest race. So it's, um, and stuff happens so fast. So it's just, it's honestly a chess game that you're just trying to play. And I feel like we, uh, we were able to come out on top. And when I saw you earlier, you had like a really light, light lunch. And I was wondering at what point <laughs> were you like starving during that race? Oh, that's me every week. I don't, that's why sometimes I fall out of the seat. So I don't eat enough, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. I wasn't that nervous today. I felt like it just you got to get in the rhythm of the race and just start to execute the, you know, the things that you need to do inside the car. I mean, a lot of the race was saving fuel, and um, you know, we didn't have track position for first half of the of the stages, and we'd be behind, and then at the end of the stages, we'd you know, charge to the front once we made our pit stop. So um, it was a really interesting race for that reason because I felt like I was never at the front consistently, but I would be after the stages and and uh, be able to push from there. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll go Dustin and then Bob. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. William, Josh Williams was one of the ones who came to Victory Lane and visited with you and congratulated you. He was telling me that when he first saw you run at Concord, he thought, man, that kid's got a lot of work to do. And then he says, <laughs> look at what he has become. Yeah. Can you take me back to when you first started racing and the notion of what those early days were like compared to, you know, you know, this, this path to this moment. Yeah. I mean, I've always been really raw throughout my career. You know, I have a lot of like undeveloped talent, I guess you could say. So I feel like speed was always easy for me. Like making lap time by myself was always really easy and came natural, but racing around other cars and managing, you know, all those things is, has been tough, but um, it's just come over time. You know, I spent, I spent half my racing career in the cup series, which is crazy, but, um, it's just the, the way that my career trajectory kind of went. And I think Mr. H always knew that putting me in the cup series would allow me to learn the things I needed to learn. And, um, you know, have been able to see kind of the, the evolution of that with my team over the last year and a half. So, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I just think back to the desire I had to, compete and race and that was 
unmatched, I feel like, from anyone else. Like, I wanted it so bad because I never grew up around it, but it was something that I always loved. And so I think um, that's what – that desire has kind of always fueled me more than more than anything. I just – I I want it for no other reason because it's just my passion. Uh, obviously, the, you've told the story many times about trick-or-treating at Jimmy's house, and, and Jimmy said, you know, he went and reminded you about that the, when he congratulated you. The idea that at one point you were trick-or-treating at, your, at his house, and here he is coming up to congratulate you in yeah. victory lane at for the Daytona 500. What What is that like for the eight-year-old kid inside of you? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I feel like I've always had a bit of imposter syndrome because I – like I raced against Jimmy Johnson. I'm like, dude, this guy was my hero. Like literally watched every Sunday, had his diecast cars at my, in my room and, uh, just dreamed about, you know, what it would be like to be in his shoes. And, um, now I get to race against him, And, um, it's definitely, it's a pretty crazy emotion to go through just getting into the cup series, just honestly being happy to be there and then figuring out, okay, well, how do I, what are my goals? What are the things I want to accomplish? And I've always had a bit of um, kind of work through fear, like work because of fear. And I feel like that's fueled me because I, I never want to lose the opportunity to race in the Cup Series and uh, have a shot to win races with the team I'm with. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll go to Bob. Uh, Bob How's Parker. business, Bob? It's booming. <laughs> booming. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have two teammates who are cup champions. One's the most popular driver. The other is somebody who most people say is one of the world's greatest talents. Do you ever feel kind of lost or not part? Or and does it? I'm the other guy. Yeah, you're the <laughs> other guy. So does it, does that bother you at yeah. all? And do you, how many times do you need to win to not be the other guy? Yeah, I I use it all as fuel. So just keep it coming. Uh, all the preseason predictions and everything. But um, I I think it just for me. I just try to, I try to stay quietly focused. I feel like for me, I I do well, you know, having my own space and being able to work through the the things with my race team, and um, you know, I have to kind of balance that kind of calm demeanor with um, working with my team and being vocal enough to to do the things we need to do to get the car better and things like that. But um, I don't know. I don't read too much into it. I'm never gonna be the most vocal guy uh, I just I just enjoy getting in the race car and putting the helmet on and going to work that's that's what I've always lived for we're going to go to Jordan Jordan Bianchi the athletic um, Rick and Rudy were in here just a minute ago and they kind of talked about it you've mentioned it as well why did you have a chip on your shoulder going into this year did you feel like people were really were doubting you or is that just something you were telling yourself to kind of you know push yourself yeah I mean I don't know if I'll ever get that chip off my shoulder I think it's always been there it's just I'm very quiet about it but um I don't know there's always reasons to to find I mean we didn't win the championship and um you know we don't get talked about the most and you know other people get more uh you know more publicity things like that and I feel like I just whatever I find I use as motivation and it's just the way I've the way I've always been internally um I don't express that a lot, but it definitely, you know, burns inside. And I feel like that's what fuels your off seasons. A lot of times is just, what can I find? What little edge can I find to, to be the best? And, um, there's still tons to learn. I can be a lot, you know, 
more complete in the car and I feel like your racecraft and things are always evolving and um, you know just trying to to be a better version inside the car with my team. Throughout your career, before you got to Cup, you were always kind of considered the can't-miss prospect, right? And you had success almost instantly every step of the way, you know, trucks, Xfinity. You come to Cup, you had good, solid rookie of the year, and yeah. you had success, but you didn't kind of have that major breakthrough year. Was there any part along the journey of kind of wondering of if it was going to come, if you were going to have a year like you had last year? For sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of doubt that creeps in. Um I feel like it goes back to me wondering if I'm right for this sport because I'm so I came in in such a different way and I feel like there's a lot of things that I didn't learn like going through go-karts and quarter midgets and all those things and so I kind of wonder sometimes or did wonder like man if am I doing it right do I have all the ingredients it takes and um, definitely had to just learn kind of just grow a little bit thicker skin to be in the cup series and learn what it takes each week and um, I feel like that took time. That took probably three, three and a half years to re- to really get to that point. And I think some of the people and relationships I had with Chad, you know, he he enforced that. I felt like he he kind of brought me to the next level, just seeing how you know he operated and how he handled things. All right, Jeff, did you have a question? Okay. Like the outfit looks great. It's last few hours of this. Um, you know, so many great drivers never win this. I mean, they, they showed a graphic um, earlier where, like, six of the active cup champions right now have not, not won this race. At age 26, is it is it, you know, a nice thing to just get that? <laughs> you're not, you're not going to have to answer that in 10 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so honestly, yeah, that came, that went through my mind, uh, in the, I guess, after the red flag, rolling the caution laps before we chose. I I just thought to myself, man, I know what just happened, like, huge wreck, like all those things. I felt bad about that, you know, the push, all those things. And um, I just had to block that out and then think about, man, this might be my only shot to ever win this race. Like literally, like there's a lot of people that never get a chance to line up on the front row with two laps to go. So um, that, I feel like that motivated me, just the the thought of this might be the only time I get this clean of a chance. And um, so, yeah, I think, I might never have a chance to win this race again, honestly, and um, so I'm going to cherish it for that reason. All right, I'm going to go up to the press box for a minute. Are there any questions in the press box? No questions from the press box. All right, thank you. We'll come back downstairs. We'll go to Zach and then Noah. Zach Sterniolo, NASCAR.com. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. You're the first on this super talented roster to get the Daytona 500 for Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, Jeff Wednesday was saying that um, he really wanted one of you guys to win it this weekend to be able to experience the the highs of this, right? Mm. What has your experience been like over the last two hours since the checkered flag wave? Have you been able to really Dude, it's been two hours. I don't don't know. (laughs) It feels like a dream. I mean, I, I haven't really thought about it um in a lot of different ways i mean being in the playoffs all those things but um yeah it's still just kind of setting in i feel like there's so much work it takes to get to this point and um you just cherish those moments with your team and but yeah you definitely want to be the the guy that wins the the big races but any four of us could have won this race honestly we're all up there with a shot to win so it's it's pretty impressive just um a lot of emotions. I mean, just a lot of, just 
my favorite part was the confetti just because that's what I always remember about the 500 is the confetti shower and uh, that part was really cool. You know, I grew up watching Jimmy, I think in 06, went in the 500 and that was, that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll go to Noah. Noah Lewis, TSJ Sports. Uh, William, you know, a lot of champions, Daytona 500 champions, after the race, they, they say that sometimes they have a moment prior to the race or on race day of the 500 where they just feel calm or, or there's something that kind of sticks out to them, um, and then they win the Daytona 500 in that day. Was there anything for you today that kind of stuck out to you prior to the race, or was it business as usual? Um, there's a lot, man. I mean, I don't – I mean, I just remember – so my dad, you know, went home. He was feeling really sick, and um, we had a group text with my mom, and I, I said back to him like, "Don't worry about it. We'll celebrate when we get home." And I mean, I, I didn't feel nervous before this race. I, I don't know why, but um, I just felt like, I don't know. It just felt it felt like a good day. But I n- never thought we were gonna win. I mean, I never, I never thought that far ahead. I just thought, man. Maybe we'll finish on the lead lap. We've <laughs> we've never done that. So it was honestly just starting small and just thinking about the process and the things it takes to win. And you, you talk about that never finishing on the lead lap, and I apologize if you already addressed this, but, you know, this place, this race specifically, this place has been good to you, but this race specifically has not been. Um, so what what is it like to just kind of put all that behind you, the the DNFs, the, the crashes, and, and not finishing on the lead lap? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you guys don't have to mention it at Media Day ever again. <laughs> so there's a new storyline. Um, yeah, I've never finished better than 21st, I think, which is crazy. I mean, we've we've won some drafting track you know races with if you put Atlanta in that category, um, you know, one here. So it's just a matter of getting to the end. I mean, it's just I knew we had the ingredients and the the knowledge to win it. My spotter is amazing, Brandon. Um, you know, I, I feel like I make the right moves inside the car, the right blocks, but it just you got to get there, and it never, I've never saw the white flag, so it's nice now. And what was that conversation like with your dad? Um, I mean, it was great. I think I'm excited to see him when I get back. It's great to have my mom here. You know, she she wasn't at the wins last year, so it's great to uh, to have her here and celebrate it with her. And um, I definitely, you know, be able to see my dad and maybe go to Eddie's place in Charlotte and have a little breakfast. That's our that's our tradition. So we'll probably do that. Mm-hmm. All right, Davey. Davey Siegel with SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Uh, how many unread text phone calls have you looked at your phone yet? Do I want to know? I don't even know. I just want to talk to my buddies at home and see what they're what they're up to. But uh, yeah, we're definitely gonna burn it down. So we'll see how far it goes. Apparently, your mom has guess, your phone. Do you want to give us an yeah. update? There's probably a lot. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> Probably a good thing, yeah. yeah keep it, keep it unopened. Hand that to me. <laughs> I don't know if Ashley knows it either, but... Um, okay, that's okay. great. Yeah. Um, speaking of Victory Lane, you've been in Daytona Victory Lane before, but it was considerably less quiet, less busy, yeah. not a lot of people. What was it like to pull into Victory Lane today compared to the last time? The last time was COVID. I had a mask on, so no one no one could see my face. But uh, it was weird for sure. Um, that that night was weird, but it still still felt great. You know, first first win that was really special. Uh, my parents were there for that one, and um, that one was really cool. So yeah, I mean, this one 
this one feels different for sure, but it's uh, it's going to take a while to sink in and, and just enjoy all the different aspects of it. When everybody was running out on the front stretch grass, who was the first person you saw? I feel like it's always Patton. My <laughs> my Jack or uh, tire carrier. He uh, he's kind of the uh, he's got the mojo in the team. So um, it was probably him and and then a bunch of other guys. So Landon and uh, Rudy and everybody. Yeah, my celebration was pretty weak too. The grass was wet, so I was just sliding around. All right, we'll go to Chris right here behind Davy. Hey, William, uh, Chris Gollins, WNDB. First off, congratulations. Um, and then I, I wanted to ask, so a minute ago I was talking to Jeff Gordon, and um, we were talking about how special it was for him to see the number 24 win the Daytona 500 again. And he, he talked a bit about how, you know, now you know, this is, um, you know, you're, you're kind of making the number your own and that the fans out there are, are transitioning from, you know, fans who, rooted, who are rooting for Jeff Gordon's number to fans who are rooting for William Byron. That was some stuff that he talked about, and I just wanted to see if I could get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. I just try to try to continue to come out of my shell and be myself around race fans. I mean, it's tough. I never grew up, you know, envisioning that I was going to drive the 24 car. So it, um, it definitely, you know, it takes a while to get comfortable with that, but it's, um, it's just special to have so many fans that, you know, follow Jeff all, all of the years of his career. And, um, yeah, it's cool to meet a lot of, you meet a lot of cool people that, that have followed him for, for years and hopefully us now. Yeah. Thanks William. Congrats. All right. We're going to go Seth, Jacob, and then we'll end with Steven. Go ahead. Seth Hager, kickingtires.net. William, we often hear that this is the Super Bowl of NASCAR and that drivers will give up anything for a 500 win. With your experience, why is that? I don't know. I mean, I think, honestly, I mean, there's two races in our sport that are the biggest. It's Phoenix and, and here. And, um, you know, I feel like this one has its own meeting. It's very intense out there. It's, it takes a lot of things to, to go your way, but there's a lot of skill involved, and um, you can't ever – underestimate what that what it takes to to win here so i don't know it's just um it's the biggest race you know of the year and it means a lot all right jacob take us to one race face digital congratulations william Thank uh, you. two for you first um obviously you came up with rudy got separated for a bit when you went to xfinity but then you guys were able to come back together on the cup side and have finally kind of kind of meshed again like you did at the beginning both of you get your first 500 win tonight how special is it not just that you break through here in the 500 but that you get to do it with somebody like rudy that you've had such a connection with and worked so well with yeah i feel like the thing the dynamic that that between us is we just trust each other and i feel like that that bond builds through tough experiences like Martinsville last year and some of the things we've been through in the past and, um, you know, being separated for a few years, you know, trying to figure things out and uh, get into the Cup Series. And, um, you know, it's just a special bond that we have. And, you know, I feel like he has my back all the time. And, um, you know, I feel like the biggest thing is just working through new challenges. I mean, we're always challenging ourselves to find new things to work on this year. It's the, the short tracks and, um, you know, just kind of continuing to strengthen some of the tracks that we've been pretty good at. So I feel like there's always new things to, to focus on. But this, I know this one was really special to him. I, 
I didn't know this race meant so much to him, but I, I could tell this week how much it meant, just some of the things he's, he's said over the off season and um, Little Rockingham, end of 2012, your third Legends car race, I think, ever. You were probably 14 at the time. I stood there that day watching with your dad, and I looked to him and I said, what do I need to know about this kid? And I'll, I'll never forget. He looked at me and goes, he's going to be in Cup someday. Just straight-faced. And to sit here and watch you win this race tonight, I, I thought back to that memory. I mean, you said earlier you were really quiet even back then. Did you have that kind of confidence as everybody else around you did back then? Would you, Or would 14-year-old William Byron have believed that a moment like tonight was possible? Yeah, not no, not at all. I mean, I think I was just living for the next race and just seeing seeing where things would go. And I think uh, for me, it was, you know, the goal and the dream was to be in the Cup Series, but I never thought much about that. I was just trying to win the next race and trying to continue to, you know, refine my craft. And um, I feel like, you know, it just, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I didn't I didn't grow up envisioning I'd I'd be here, but I. I grew up, you know, watching idols like Jimmy and, and uh, you know, just dreaming of what it would be like. <laughs> For sure. All right, we're going to go Jerry and then Steven. Go ahead, Jerry. Jerry Jordan, kicking the tires that net. I don't know if you collect race cars or anything like that. Is this, some, is this a car that you would want to keep in a collection or maybe get a custom Lego made of it or something? Custom Lego would be great. <laughs> um <laughs> need to get those guys on board for sure um i i think uh yeah i'll probably get this die cast for sure i mean i i haven't collected a lot of die casts i did as a kid but um but yeah this one will definitely go up go up somewhere um it'll be it'll be really cool what's that maybe getting it i don't know it's going to be here for a year i guess so um we'll see we'll see i yeah, that'd be nice. That's a good. That's a good idea. Good thinking. I'll work on that. <laughs> All right, we can get a mic to Stephen, please. Right there. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. William, I guess I'm going to speak for the people here when I congratulate you on becoming the first gamer to ever win the Daytona 500. Nice. For all the people out there. Yes, indeed. Do it. But uh, in all serious note, you know. On the computer, like Rick Allen says. Yes. And everyone everyone harps on that. And, yep. uh, you know, there's that thing in the Netflix show where it's like, get off the computer. That's become a meme now. But. Uh, I haven't seen that one. That's yeah. great. Yeah, the uh, NASCAR official uh, X account just posted it. But, um, you know, in seriousness, you know, what do you with what you've accomplished uh, in your racing career, and especially with what you've accomplished tonight, uh, what do you tell people who are trying to make it into professional uh, stock car racing or auto racing in general through sim racing, or also just anyone trying to make it anywhere through esports or whatever, who get told, you know, you're wasting your time, this is crap, uh, don't bother with this, you're just playing video games. What do you say to yeah, that? Yeah, I mean no matter what you're into, it's all about what, what gets you up in the morning. What is it that you absolutely can't go without? And for me, that was racing. I didn't know that I was going to be a race car driver, but, um, getting in through iRacing and, you know, being on there, I mean, I was obsessed. Like I would go in there every hour of the day and, um, you know, I had to balance it with other things. And I felt like, you know, schoolwork and, 
all, all the other things I'd have to balance, but, you know, racing was what always was my passion. And, um, you know, if you find something that you love, you spend every minute of the day thinking about it. Thanks, William. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. All right, we're going to take one final question here with Matt Weaver. Matt Weaver, Sports Knot. Uh, I don't think you've addressed it yet, but the um, the caution before the last caution where you guys kind of bounced off each other, uh, what do you recall about that moment, that incident? Yeah, um, not a whole lot, just that I, yeah, I hate that it happened. I mean, it, it um, the 48 and I were working well together on the bottom, and somehow we got shuffled or we moved to the middle, and we started pushing each other up there, and um, he was pushing me in that sequence, and the six and the one were kind of snaking all three lanes, and um, I think just honestly we got misaligned with our push, and, and I got sideways, and hooked the six and um, yeah, I feel really bad about that because I feel like that was um, you know things were getting really intense with the pushes and I felt like it was getting to the point where I couldn't handle all the pushes and those moments and um, but yeah it just I can't believe we didn't have more wrecks at the race because we were all pushing each other so hard and um, it just takes one kind of misaligned push to, to especially with I feel like with our nose we kinda of get off center pretty easily with the with the, the shape of it. So it's just just the nature of it. So if we can figure out what's going on with if it's Brenda and not Barry, Bucky, Bucky, the artist of last month. Yeah, man, we did that. We can figure out what that means. Because Lone Cell, we can figure that out for you, or with you, I should say. When do you want that back? Okay. Are you going to stop playing the way back? Yeah, I got this. I'm playing in the end.
only thing they ever can square up. And it's just like with their spikes. Great value, you saw. Great value. Versus their other brands that they put. It's always just a, it's a volume game. But, again, it's the same recipe. Our, our bingo bread is exactly the same recipe as great value bread. And lucky for me, I'll get the physical paper. Yeah. 